0: we doing poor here as always all information within my videos and podcasts are not for financial purpose not financial advice uh this is merely educational and uh information that i find entertaining so entertainment purposes only so take what i say with a grain of salt and uh do your own due diligence with that out of the way let's uh let's talk stocks what do you say starting to feel a little different. It's a little shift um, as to what's going on. And I'm not sure what that is, but I don't think that most of the pain is over. I'm not sure where the bottom is, but I don't know that we've hit it yet. I we may have, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that there is still more to come. I think what's happening now, is you are having supply chains starting to catch up with places like Walmart and target where anything that's not a perishable good, they have a massive back order of backlogs of just product that they can't sell. So they're going to start reducing prices on those things to try and move them. And they may get stuck with some inventory for a year or more. And if they do, then the people who made that product don't, get any orders in and so they lay off workers. Those workers have homes they can no longer afford to pay for, so they have to sell their homes and downsides or get apartments. So the housing market probably gonna catch fire here and you're gonna see a lot of downward pressure there too. Because the economy was on such a delicate balance. You had Everything was just-in-time manufacturing. Everything was good to go. And then as soon as there is one monkey wrench thrown into the plan, everything stopped. Everything. And now you have the recovery of trying to get everything back on track. You also have a White House administration and Congress that is want to, I don't want to say willingly, but it almost feels like willingly allowing people to suffer with inflation and with gas prices and so go gas prices, so goes inflation. $5 average gas price per gallon around the country. Unprecedented. In modern history, as far as I know, uh, maybe in the 70s, when you hit like 73, 79, when you had gas shortages. And I, I, as I've said before, the pain is the point. They want you to not rely on gasoline as much. And so they're doing everything in their power to make it hurt. Even though we don't have the infrastructure to go fully electric yet, the pain is the point. And anyone who's shipping goods, I've said it before, big, you know, big rig trucks, Mack trucks full of goods and services spending well over a $1,000 in diesel to fill a tank that is going to get passed on to you, the consumer by raising of prices. So there's a whole bunch of things that are working against our favor right now. And until Prices come down until inflation comes down, until oil price per barrel comes down. There is going to be pain. The stock market is not the main focus of legislatures right now, other than the Pelosi's who decide to buy Apple and Google stock like today. Because who cares if he got a DWI last week or that, you know, she should have retired a long time ago because she is clearly lost a step or two. But, hey, that's just my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's wild. And I don't I don't see a good way out currently. I don't. I think there's going to be a lot more people that are going to get a lot more desperate as time progresses here. And I think that doesn't bode well for the U.S. as a whole. And until these things start getting fixed, and I'm hopeful that these things start to turn around by end of Q3, somewhere in the Q4 area, uh, post the midterm elections, I'm hoping that you will see a lot of, Not so much change, but my hope for how the government will interact with the populace right now is that after midterms, nothing will get done. I'm hoping that happens. You might be asking, why would you hope that that happens? In the 90s, when everyone was so fixated on Bill Clinton and what he was and who he was doing in the Oval Office, everyone left the economy alone. They didn't touch it. No one tried to do anything to it. They just wanted to know what was going to happen next with Bill Clinton. And the economy flourished because no one was paying attention to it. No one was trying to screw with it. No one was trying to do things to mess with it. More so, more or less. I mean, the Fed is what the Fed does, but no one was really paying attention. As of right now, everyone's paying attention because there's so much pain in everyone's wallets. And so my hope is that there will be a split Congress in one way, shape, or form where at least one of the houses goes to the opposing party and that way things will not pass both houses. So you can't just continuously ram legislation through which they've had a real rough time doing as of yet because of Mansion and Cinema in the Senate. But this isn't about politics at this point. This is about the economy and what Congress is doing to basically screw everyone. <laughs> and I think there's not enough bipartisan teamwork left in the tank for them to get anything done in the next two years. And I think that might be the best thing for the economy because I think them trying to basically say we're going to put these different plans forward with more stimulus and more child tax credits, that is going to just set inflation on fire. You're already at record levels in the last 40 years of inflation. And if you dump more money into the economy because you don't know what else to do, you are going to set the U.S. dollar aflame. Your hundred dollars is going to be worth fifty dollars in a matter of a month if they do this hyperinflation bullshit by adding more and more money, raising interest rates so that the tax debt can't, or so that the U.S. national debt can't be serviced. Because at a certain point, once interest rates get to a certain percentage, every single tax dollar that the government takes in is going to go to paying off the interest every month that's accruing. Once they breach that, that threshold of every single tax dollar goes to paying off interest, then we become Greece. We are no longer to able to service our debt. We are just not going to pay people. And, uh Yeah. That's uh, that's going to be kind of troublesome, I'm not going to lie. Either we're going to not pay our creditors, and then no one will ever loan to us again, or we're going to print our money into oblivion, and no one's going to want to play with us because our money's worth nothing. So, one way or the other, that's a rocky road that I don't want to take. But, that's enough doom and gloom. So with that, let's... Uh, Get into the stock market, what happened today, and see what we can do. Well, it wasn't a horrible day. I mean, you have the S&P was up a little bit. I mean, if we look at futures here, futures are down just a little bit. Um, but overall, we were up in the uh, portfolio. And you'll be able to you know see that if you're on the YouTube, if you're on the podcast version. We were up uh, just over five hundred dollars today, and it was a lot of like the, the stocks we hold. As far as like the Coinbase was up five percent, which was nice. Um, Upath was up two and a half percent. Tattooed Chef was up two and three quarters of a percent. The double leveraged arc T A R K only up about one and three quarters of a percentage. Um, but overall, not horrible. I mean, it's a win day. I'm going to take that every day. So that's what that is. I'm going to start doing the d- deep delves of stocks again. Um, Not in this episode, but we will be doing that. And I think that will be uh, beneficial for both myself and for you folks. But overall, up 3% on the day. Can't complain Anytime I'm up a percentage or better. If I'm up a percent every day, that's great. I love it. Anything over a percentage, great. I love it. Down days, that's what the bourbon's for. Yeah. But cryptos, Bitcoin's back over 31K. Which is pretty wild, up 4% in the last 24 hours. Ethereum still below 2K, but it's up to 1855. And Cardano is at 60 cents, up roughly 7% in the last 24 hours. All the rest of these coins, projects, cryptos, whatever you want to call them, I would get my money out of them. Because if we are in a crypto winter and we are going down another 20%, 40% from where we are right now, some of these projects aren't going to make it. That's how it happens every time. Every time we go down through a recession with crypto, not even a hole, just crypto prices drop. 2017, a lot of projects didn't come back. The top 10 from 2017 are nothing like the top 10 of today. You might remember, you know, Murano, Dash, a couple of those, those are still in there somewhere, but there's a whole bunch of other things like XRP used to be huge and then it got, you know, beat up. Uh, Solana just had two different shutdowns. There's a lot of risk in these cryptos. That's why you want to hold a majority in blue chips. And I'm talking like you want a majority of your money in Bitcoin because Bitcoin is the one that all of the companies are buying, that everyone wants. Ethereum is a close second, and there's probably a little more upside with Ethereum than there is Bitcoin, but both of those will probably do well by the time you, if you own them, by the time 2030 rolls around, you'll be happy you did. Even Cardano was a little bit of a like riskier play at this point. I still own a lot of Cardano and I don't intend to sell it. I think Cardano is essentially Ethereum to what Ethereum is to Bitcoin. I think Cardano is to Ethereum. That's my humble opinion. You can do your own due diligence on these and look for yourself. But that's that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm thinking. And so I've got all my money in those three. I don't have any other projects right now. And you might swing for the fences, but again, crypto shouldn't be more than 10 to 20% of your portfolio, your holdings, net worth. And Bitcoin and Ethereum and Cardano should definitely be like 80 to 90%, if not more, 95% of your holdings. And out of that 95%, you should probably have like 80% of it in Bitcoin and I don't know, 10% in Ethereum, mix and match maybe 70-20 and then like 5% or up to 10% of your holdings in Cardano. Cardano would definitely have the most room to grow as a network. So that's kind of like your lottery ticket out of those three but overall I would be putting my money in those and by 2030 if you're not up I I don't know what you did wrong but I'm I'm all but positive these will all be up or they'll go to zero but my guess would be these will all be way higher than they are today in another 8 years but that's just my opinion on it um I don't know today was a very weird day in the markets and uh for those of you that aren't familiar with this what's on the screen now is uh basically heat map and uh, this is uh finviz.com not a sponsor but great website a lot of free stuff a lot of little things you can do to like search for stocks but they have this heat map that is constantly updating of like how high or low um different stocks were and they've got it all broken down in by sector whether it's like consumer electronics semiconductors internet the whole whole thing auto all of it Normally, you'll see this whole thing, especially in volatile times, is, like, all green or all red. And this is a mishmash that you can't really pick any one market. Insurance did well today, I guess. Insurance did, too. It's weird. But, yeah, a lot of things just didn't didn't really go one way or the other. It was just kind of a flat day overall, which would make sense because you saw that the S&P was up, like, 0.16%, so. The big news of today, and why Amazon's actually up 2%, is that Amazon's stock split, the 20 to one stock split, they were gonna have executed today. So for every share of Amazon you held before today, I don't know when the cutoff date was. I wasn't really paying all that much attention because I didn't want to buy it at these prices. Um, It split. For every one share, you got 20. And now the current Amazon price is just under $125 or just above, depending. And uh, yeah, so for everyone, so you only had to own like five shares and you would have had enough to write an option. That's pretty wild. It's pretty nice. With that split adjusted basis, that enticed more retail people to buy it because they could buy technically a whole share instead of like a percentage of a share. like. Instead of buying one twentieth of a share, they had a whole share. So the math is weird because they're like, oh, this looks more appealing because it's a whole share. But it's really the same amount of stock because your stock just get diluted 20 to 1. There's a huge dilution there, (laughs) which is why the price went down at a 20 to 1 pace. Um, You didn't really get anything for nothing, but it just... It's a weird psychological trick that they play, where retail investors are like, "Oh, sweet! Now I can get a whole share," and so that's why the price went up, is because all these people are like, "I can afford a share of Amazon now. How exciting!" At least that's that's the theory behind it. Um, so that went off pretty well without a hitch. Um, it was kind of funny because in the mornings, you saw Amazon was down like ninety nine percent of its value or something. It was it was wild. It was kind of funny, but. I'm sure it freaked out some people that weren't paying attention and saw that were like, oh God, Amazon's gone. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that, that was the big news of the day. The other big news, there's a couple other things are that essentially crude prices are $120 a barrel. Um, and that's that's high. And that's why you're paying so much at the pump. That's I mean, it's a constant rise every day. It feels like it prices at the pump. I mean, up in New York, we had New York do a uh, tax holiday on the gasoline of I think it was like an 18 cent tax they cut just for like, I want to say the month of June and uh, the prices are already above where they were when they cut it. And I don't know how much of that is the greed of the gas stations and how much of that is prices of per barrel going up. I I can't tell you because I don't know, but It's already at like $5 a gallon here after they took 20 cents off essentially. So we would have been over five. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm hoping it comes down, but I don't know. Eventually it does. It has to come down. Whether it be because we start putting more of our own supply out there or OPEC finally sheds a deal. I don't know, but we'll see. And lastly, this one that I don't think anyone really covered and my computer wants to be a jerk about it, so that's cool. Anyway, uh, the SEC is trying to propose changes to stock market operations. Essentially, um, the SEC wants to reshape how you do some things here. So it would basically be like, they want, they want a more fair playing ground, which is great. That's what everybody wants. And they want to basically cap the amount that stock houses are able to collect on the back end so that everyone else gets a fair, like this is how much, this is a fair chance. Like everyone should send their orders through one of these clearing houses and everyone gets a fair shake because the prices are basically fixed kind of thing. There's a lot of, I don't know. The plan has good intentions, but I'm very sure that it could get corrupted very quickly um, by the right people. But it's hopefully a step in the right direction. We'll see how it plays out. If it plays out, we we aren't entirely sure that it's actually going to go into effect. It's just a rumor at this point. Uh, something that you know Gary Gensler wants, and you know Gary. <laughs> So we'll see what happens there, but I don't know. I'm hopeful that eventually we'll get these uh, inflation things taken care of. We'll get gas prices taken care of. Maybe people will be able to have some type of normal semblance of life after summer's over, travel's done, uh, gas prices can come back down. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I do know that you're still in the downswing as far as the stock market goes and anyone who bought in the last downswing and the downswing before that and the downswing before that came out smelling like roses. So if there's a stock that you really like and you have some expendable cash that you're not going to use for bills or what have you, you have, you know, three to six months or more, probably in these conditions, you may want to try to start saving up between six and 12 months of your monthly expenditures. In case you, for whatever reason, lose a job, you can survive it. Um, yeah. If you have some expendable cash, make sure you're out of margin and buy a stock that you firmly believe in, that you understand the principles behind it and you're able to identify. Because a lot of stocks are beaten down right now very hard. And in another couple years, I don't think that'll be the case. I think you're going to see a massive boom. Right now, basically, if you think about the stock market like a spring, and every down day is another push down on that spring. Eventually when that spring snaps back, it is going to fly. It is going to go from this small, jump up here, and then there will be another correction back down, but it's going to go back up here real fast. It's going to take a lot of people by surprise and you're not going to see it coming. And I don't know when that will happen but I know it will happen. So be prepared and uh you buy now you're probably going to come out smelling like roses in another year or two but buy a little every week buy a little every paycheck but don't buy more than you're willing to lose. So that's all I got for you for today. I hope your week started out excellent. I hope you're doing well and, uh, trade well, be safe and cheers.